whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. When Bridget Grace Sheaf was here talking about Into the Woods, we ended up talking a little about Phantom of the Opera. And then when Beth Amon was here a week later, talking about Wicked, we ended up talking about Phantom of the Opera. So I put those two conversations together to have one phantom extravaganza. We join the conversations already in progress. Box that I'll get sure. From right no, that's now, great. So. <laughs> no, hey, I've literally stuck a microphone in your face. So I don't, I don't <laughs> well, think this you is can, my opportunity. You can't complain about it. Yeah, I have no right to complain if you get on a soapbox. Oh, good. I mean, I can edit this however I want, too. So you know, <gasps> That's true. I know, right. I, I'm oh still gosh. in control. What you talk about with having like a great deal of passion for this show, I think this show is often, though, as you say, belittled. Mm-hmm. And so that probably, I mean, that won't help if you're like right. super defensive of a show. And then it's often, like you say, people are like, ah, it's just a bunch of fairy tales. And you're like, no, it's because it's, it isn't. So, it's so much more than that. That is a, yeah. Right. And it did win a bunch of Tony Awards. I mean, right. it did it did very well. Like I say, when it was, it, it opened and it ran and it went to the West End and it ran and it tours and it is produced at colleges right. and community theaters. It's, it's sure. a love show. And it did win Best Score. Over Phantom of the Opera. So at this point, yeah. So let's talk about Phantom of the Opera. Okay, just for a little bit. Let's just bridge off into Phantom of the Opera because I have opinions. So let's let's you know, let's let's go. So Phantom this so this year. Let's just just for some context. Sure. The show came out the same year as Phantom. Uh It was directed by Hal Prince, of course, longtime Sondheim collaborator. Though by that point he was not. Um, And the they kind of they kind of carved up the Tonys pretty nicely. The Phantom won Best Actor in a Musical which uh, Into the Woods was not nominated for. Sure. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, which Into the Woods was also not nominated for, which is a little surprising. And Best Direction of a Musical over James Lapine, uh, How Prince Beat James Lapine, and Best Costume Design over Into the Woods, Best Scenic Design over Into the Woods, and Best Lighting Design over Into the Woods. And then Into the Woods won Best Actress for Joanna Gleason over... Uh, oh, what? Shoot. Oh, I was about to say over... Um, Sarah Brightman, but she was not nominated. Well, uh, I, that's a little bit of a snub, though, just a tiny bit. Like maybe. Um, uh, Robert Westenberg was nominated for Best Featured Actor, uh, but lost to Bill McCutcheon for the Anything Goes revival. It was nominated for Best Choreography, also lost to Anything Goes. Uh, but the big two, Stephen Sondheim won Best Score over Andrew Lloyd Webber, Charles Hart, and Richard Stilgo. But the all important Best Musical went to Phantom of the Opera Phantom, that year. Sure. Yes. Here in the at the forty second annual Tony Awards, so <laughs> and Phantom, of course, is still running. Right, of 20, course. Twenty years, thirty years later, so twenty nine years later, right? They just did twenty ninth anniversary, I think. I don't know. I seem to remember. I read an Stop. article about that. So, what do you think about Phantom of the Opera? So I, so when I was, when I went to New York the first time when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I saw a Phantom. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's, it's, right, it's it was law. like the thing yeah. you do. It's the law. Well, how do you think Legal. it's been running for twenty minutes? <laughs> right. It's like actually you don't have that Legal. hand stamp. They're not going to let right. you over there to see something else. <laughs> it's just the mask. Right, um, you got to go to the majestic. Perfect. So I so I saw Phantom in high school, and I, you know what? I I didn't actually enjoy watching the production. Did you know it before? No, okay. I didn't know anything so about cold. it. I didn't know anything about it. I hadn't read the book. I hadn't none mm-hmm. of it. Um, 
But, oh, my goodness, I kind of loved the music. I was, like, super – because it hooks you. It Mm -hmm. really does. sure does. But I watched, you know, like, the chandelier fell, and I was like, oh, is that it? Where were you sitting? Just out of curiosity. It was in the balcony somewhere. Yeah, so was I. Okay. Which I think think it's 100% – I think it greatly affects your – Your experience with the the chandelier. I think you kind of have to sit in the orchestra for that show. I I just kind of – or maybe front – Front well, and there was a lot of stuff that that show was accomplished scenically that I was really fascinated by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, it is one of the first times I ever paid attention to a set design that I can remember, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, I, I, you know, Phantom toured several times through Des Moines and mm-hmm. I really wanted to see it and I never, never, never got to see it. And so I saw it on Broadway and I said, oh, this is exactly what the commercials look like with the candles and the, mm-hmm. the wrought iron, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's got this like minimalist, maximalist thing sure. where it's like because there are like set pe- like her dressing room is like represented by a table and a mirror and mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. But then like you have the stairs. So it's kind of like I can't say it's a minimalist set, right. but it does kind of like it flows and it moves and it's yeah. kind of sp- and, and, and it's really and in that way, it's really effective. And so then I watched the movie. And I watched oh. the movie like I probably watched the movie like eight times because like it was I didn't have the soundtrack yet. So it was the sure. only way I could hear the music. Um, and then I stepped away from Phantom because I got super into Wicked. And then I came back to Phantom. So then the, the Royal Albert Hall mm-hmm. video has come yeah. out. And mm-hmm. it actually I think that does some really deft stuff with Phantom of the Opera that I think is not like I think the and I think part of it is because like on film you can see sort of a lot more of the acting than I mm-hmm. could from the balcony at the Majestic, but it it made me appreciate more about Phantom because there was a long time that I would just I just don't like it. I think sure. story wise it is lacking so significantly. I don't think that Christine's character is developed at all. Um, we were making my my best friend Bob made a joke. We were talking about Love Never Dies, mm-hmm. um, and and. And my best friend said, you know, and then and then Christine dies at the end uh, uh, because she has no agency. And so, of course, you die when you have no agency, Um, which I think is maybe my favorite Phantom of the Opera joke. Um, But uh, I don't I just and I just think it's riddled with plot holes because because in between that time, what happened is I read the book and Mm -hmm. I was so long book. I was so enraptured with the book. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is phenomenal. It makes yeah. more sense. I understand the story differently. I I can see the psychology in a different way than I can in the musical. And I just, I, I don't know. I just don't enjoy Phantom of the Opera. And I know, and I, I think it's a really important access point to theater. I know when people go to New York and they see Phantom, it's been running for so long. Mm-hmm. It gets people in the theater. And I think once you have that sort of moment where you can get people in the seat then there's an opportunity to get them in another seat and oh, absolutely. another thing and like that's so so i like i used to just be like it should uh, no one should ever see phantom but then i was like you know what well, like, it's better than cats i mean i think we first of all can cats. all agree it's better than cats oh man so. well like and look at that like and they're both andrew Lloyd Webber shows like and they there's are. and i i well, don't he know cheated with cats though he, you know, uh, he I know. kept it running Everything. at a loss so that it yeah. would be the longest running show everything which turned out to be unnecessary because he like has phantom, phantom runs forever. he has phantom going on so well i'm glad that you it's really interesting because you're the first person i've heard attack phantom on the same level i would which is the plot because Ugh. phantom to me is i mean i saw it in new york it had only been running i think for about five years when i saw it um <laughs> From the back of the balcony, because that's you know those are the tickets sure. you could get, and it's a it's a 
it, I, it's really hard to articulate this because I don't want to say, like, from the beginning, I wasn't like this from the beginning. I remember being like, this is really good. I remember thinking, like, this, sh- I, this is, like, good. Like, it's supposed to be good. I get that. Right. That's how but I felt. But why don't I, I remember thinking, like, why don't I love this? Like, the way that I love other pieces of theater. Like, I really liked seeing it. I, I listened to mm-hmm. the, the cassettes, what I had, and I listened to it over and over again. Parts of it were catchy, and I would mix the cassette onto other tapes so that I wouldn't have to hear like prima donna again. Thank God, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, so I would I would pull out like, but because there are certain songs in it that I think are great. Like notes, I think is a tremendous song. Both versions of oh, that. Oh, the note, yeah, hundred um, percent. Music of the night. I really like wishing you were somehow here again, even though I know people crap all over it. Point of no return. Like there are songs. Point that of are no return. Fun. I think is my favorite. But then there are other moments. Like I, I couldn't quite pin down on it, and it encapsulates perfectly for me in the title song, because. I don't know why that song is in that show, except for the fact that it's catchy and it's the title of the show. Because why is she calling him the Phantom of the Opera? Because that term, like, kind of has been used, but not really, because he's the ghost. Like, that's what everybody else is calling him. Or the angel, which is also how she knew him. No one has really called him the Phantom until later, that comes up. Like he, the term gets tossed around. Sure. But like there's and this. He uses it. And he one, uses it. Like and, to self-identify at one point. But there's the song, like they're going through the gondola to his place so he can sing music of the night and then knock her out, which is this weird, of course, super Too weird. Too much. Problem. <laughs> and then she just he just takes her back upstairs for, again, no motivation. But it's like this perfect thing of like it's a connection of set pieces. Each individual set piece is beautiful yeah. and perfect. There is no connective tissue between At them, all. which is fine. Like it's like a Las Vegas show. It's like a spectacle. It's like a jukebox musical. Right. And if it wasn't directed by somebody as good as Hal Prince, at like making these moments perfect and sure. like crafting them together, and the composer who knows what he's doing as much as Andrew Lloyd Webber, who again. In that score, it's not a great score, but he is staying in his lane. He is firmly like, this is minor key, this is sure. flat, like, you know, we're going to write in nice major keys for the love songs and minor keys for the sad songs, right. and I'm going to bang, like, scales out of everywhere. We'll add some synth, because that's cool Because it's cool, because it's the 80s. <laughs> and, like, the costumes will be great, and the big sure. songs will repeat, and will love, like, you will walk out of there, like, having felt something. But it doesn't hold. It doesn't mm-hmm. last. I mean, even with that last little moment in the show of, like, uh, Meg the Geary mask. holding up the mask and, like, the spotlight hits it and then it's gone. And you're sort of like, I know I'm supposed to feel something here because I was just told to, but I don't. Well, and and I think you pointed out something really fascinating because in the first song, the lyric is, the phantom of the opera is there inside my mind. And I said, right. no, he's No, he's not. Like right behind you. You don't. Well, I mean, he's like, first of all, he's right there. <laughs> like, we see him. He's not in your brain. Right. And the other thing is, is we have not established a relationship with Christine that we understand that she is either easily manipulated mm-hmm. or so distraught over the death of her father that this guy has taken. Like, we get that later. But but that lyric for me ruins the show and and I and I I'm putting a lot of weight on that and that I don't but it deserves it I mean it is a centerpiece the Phantom of the Opera is there inside it's the centerpiece of Act One and it's the title song of the show and like, it has no purpose there's no there's nothing that has happened so far where we say oh yeah she's totally 
enchanted. Like, the magic of this has totally mm-hmm. swept her away. Nothing. Well, because, like you say, she has no agency. She doesn't. She does nothing. Right. All in the show. It, you sing. Okay, she sings. Oh, all of a sudden she's a star. Well, she does. Do... I'm going to take you out to dinner. Oh, no. You're going to come to the, to the, the dungeons right. of the with this moat thing right. if I'm in the movie, you know, right. and there's all these. Like, it just, just you go here. She's just that she just follows where people are pointing, except she goes to her father's grave. She goes. Well, at, to be entirely fair, well, at the end the of the show, time. I know the end of the show, she is faced with a choice. And she makes the right decision. Like, she sacrifices herself for Raul. Sure. And that moves the Phantom to blow himself up. It's kind of unclear to me how that... But, like, yes, that's what he does. He sort of says, you know, you can come with me or you can can kill him. And he chooses... Go now, release me. Yes. (laughs) Like, whatever whatever that lyric is. Release him. (laughs) Forget all of this. You know, like, what? just the insane... Yeah, it's a lot of good... And, like, they never explain keep a hand at the level of your eyes. Well, that's the other thing. Is, like, it feels to me like... I feel this way about the first two Harry Potter movies where it's, like, it's like a Cliff's Notes version of the story where if you've yeah. read the book, you understand everything that's going on. And if you sure. haven't, you're like, oh, it's look, it's neat and pretty and magic. Like that's right. Like, and this is like all that stuff about the Punjab lasso and the hands of the level, which is like chapters in the book of like this enchanted right. thing that is killing people. Sure. Is never, right. never explained. Well, and that's and that's what's so interesting about comparing Into the Woods and Phantom and the fact that they happen in the same year is that the mythology of the Phantom of the Opera is not universal and well-known enough mm-hmm. that we can adequately go, oh, that's that thing in the book. You know, like as popular right. as the book was, it's not like required reading in yeah, high yeah, school. It's people not, don't know the books. They know the movie they, versions of the books, but sure. they don't know the books. But yeah. and, so, and so a lot of that stuff, the keep the hand at the level of your eyes, the, the opera ghost and the leaving the notes in box five, all of that stuff leads to like, look, isn't this spooky, but is not actually grounded in any character that we recognize. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Into the Woods, it's like, look, it's Little Red Riding Hood, so she has a cape. Um, right. And we're going to make this one eat a lot. Yeah, she's... yeah. She's a brat. Like, we're not going to make this one sweet. Right. This one's going to be right. like, more like the Looney Cinderella Tunes version. talks to birds. Right. And we're going to make fun of that throughout the whole show. Talk to birds. never hooked me really we talked about it when when um when bridget was here which hasn't aired yet but it will by the time this comes out mm-hmm. um because we talked about into the woods and you have to talk about phantom when you talk about into the woods and i don't know if it's just because like for me i can't like i am not a soprano so i like would sing the phantom parts um and so i never really like, fully identified with any of the characters but i don't know when that's the thing that show also holds you at an emotional arm's length but what that show does that Wicked doesn't do, which is one of the reasons I think it's better, is that Phantom is grabbing onto like zeitgeisty emotional reactions in the music. Like it's an organ, it's in minor mm-hmm. keys, and it's loud, and like yeah. the characters are broad, and like so it's very easy to grab onto the individual emotions in the songs. And it's only when you look at it that you're like, Why is she Christine has no agency. Like, yeah. just, and like. Raoul's kind of weird and mm-hmm. the Phantom's making a lot of leaps in logic that you wouldn't be able to make if this were like a thing. There were so many thing. parts for like when I saw Phantom finally on stage I was like why is she going with him? Get no out reason. of the boat. No reason. That reminds me of like this is a, one of my favorite Sondheim stories is when he was hired to do after the terrible flop of Anyone Can Whistle he decided to write the lyrics for Richard Rodgers' music for Do I Hear Waltz mm-hmm. which you know I, I believe do. right? Yes yeah. okay. I was on your website. And um, <laughs> I have sang Someone Woke Up. There you go. Times. It's a good song. 
And he didn't see how the play that it's based on, Time of the Cuckoo, and Sondheim didn't see how that play and that movie could be a musical. He just didn't see the musicality in it. And he said the only idea he had was that what if the the heroine doesn't sing at all in the whole show? And then at the mm. end, she sings because she finds out who she is. She finds her voice and she identifies and she has yeah. that song at the end. And Richard Rogers' response was, well, then where do we put the ballads? And that's the answer, but which is just a different school of, like, that's just a different focus. Like, yeah. Richard Rogers is interested in where we put the ballads. And sometimes, like, how do we tell this story? And it's just, it, neither of them is objectively wrong. It's just two different approaches to the show. And that's what Phantom feels like to me. It's like, we have a song called The Phantom of the Opera here. It was written way before we had a book for this musical. And we're just going to have, like, clearly it'll be a song where they sing together. And then, like, now we've stuck it in this part of Act One. It's like you're just taking puzzle pieces and going, like, this one will kind of fit Kind of fit, here. right, exactly. And slamming it down. Mm-hmm. And 29 years later, the show's still running. So what the hell do I know? But This is true. You know, it's got a neat design to it. It does. But didn't they, like, redesign the chandelier fall? Yeah. Well, they improved it. At least they think they did. I haven't seen it. I saw it in the 90s. I haven't seen it since. I remember, like, my parents seeing it when, like, they went on a trip to New York and coming back and saying, like, wow, this was this awesome chandelier fall. And, like, me seeing it a couple years later and being, like, lame. Yeah, I wonder if you have to. I saw it from the back of the house, and that was kind of my reaction. It was like, eh. And I wonder if you have to sit in the orchestra to really be, like. To be, like, terrified that there's a large flying Of course, if you don't know what's coming, like, yeah, it could really true. knock you down. That's it's true. one of those things where it's, like. Like, like, I remember the first time the I saw Les Mis and I didn't know it had a turntable. And, like, the minute, like, that, or the, like, the, when the barricade, like, comes out and is mm-hmm. formed. Like, those moments are shocking if you don't know they're coming. Yeah. I think the chandelier is probably one of those where, like, if you don't know that chandelier is going to fall, which also happens for no reason in the musical. Um, We're just, like, judging. Well, it's there so to, look, first of all, <laughs> I think everybody involved in that can handle a, a little, so, a little judgment. I think they're doing um, just fine. I think they're doing just fine, too. Uh, but, I think it deserves, like, anything that is that successful <laughs> deserves some scrutiny. <laughs> and we're here. And we're here it. to scrutinize the crap out of it. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. This episode was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, and Imani Mular. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's the easiest way to make sure other people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. My thanks to Bridget Grace Sheaf and Beth Amon for coming down and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsals. Once again with me, a strange duet.